Alright then, it is Friday morning, we are doing the uh, Sports Hub podcast, my name's Curtis McCosh and with me I have got Adam McKendry, how are you? I'm doing not too bad, how about yourself? Yeah, doing really good now that the stress of trying to get this thing working is over, because I, I, I was thinking it's Friday morning, recording this on a Friday morning is usually quite nice, because it's the weekend and it's a bit more easy going, isn't it? Yeah, and I've got a little bit of time off this morning, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty relaxed. Yeah, that's not like you to have a bit of time off. I know, it's quite strange. I'm, I don't know what to do with myself, so I've just parked myself down here and started talking about yes, sports. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I was saying about how how relaxing it is. We've had a bit of a technical issue this morning. Usually we do this over FaceTime and I record it from a phone. And I use an iPhone and they have... Do you know those wee connectors that you use to connect the auxiliary uh-huh. cable? Well, yeah, I've, yeah. I've left mine and, and poured it down somewhere. Uh, so I don't have it. We have had to sort of make a crack way of doing it. And I've kind of looped the desk into the laptop and back out. So you might hear, if you're listening, you might hear like a very sort of buzzy electrical noise in the background and to be 100% honest with you there's nothing I can do about that so you know what it's funny because you mentioned that before we started recording and I couldn't hear it and now that we've started recording I can hear it oh can you hear it now <laughs> yeah I'm afraid we're just going to have to deal with that today until uh, <laughs> until I figure out a better way to do it but anyway um, how's things with you mate all good things are all good with me preparing for a big week ahead um, I'm over in Leicester for the rugby uh, tomorrow actually and then oh. um, heading to Cardiff for the ice hockey so a big weekend planned but I'm very excited and ready to go so you're going from Leicester to Cardiff yeah yeah oh that's awesome lovely, lovely three hour train ride <laughs> I, I can deal with that obviously uh, after the disappointment of last week it is a big big weekend for the, the Giants time to put last week behind them and, and a double header against the, the Devils which is never easy so yeah, I mean, if they could get two wins this weekend, it would be massive. They claw back that gap between the two sides, and they've got such a favourable run in as well. So uh, if, if they could get it done this week, that would be absolutely massive. Uh, let's move on to talking about last week's uh, sports. Now, obviously, it was, it was quite a while, not quite a while ago, but, you know, the divisional games are a bit behind us, but there's still talking points there that we want to go over. And I think we will start with, well, we'll go to the Chiefs first. Let's go for the Chiefs first. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned it feels like a long time ago. It really does. Yeah. Like, ages ago. So I remember, I remember standing in the SSA after after the Giants' final game in that Continental Cup, and someone came up to me and said about the charge or the Chargers Patriots game, and that feels like ages ago. <laughs> so it's amazing to be looking back on them. No, but the Chiefs threw and. I think there's a big relief there that they actually got over the line, given that it's been so long since they've actually won a playoff game. So that, that's probably the main place to start, the fact that they won a playoff yeah. game. Full, and they're now, they're now into their first AFC title appearance since 1994, which tells you all you need to know about their postseason record. But for me, this was a very encouraging performance from the Chiefs, and it really sort of underlines the fact that they could be Super Bowl winners. Because for the first time in a long time, their defense answered the questions that everybody had of them. They stood up, they got to Andrew Luck, they held him to 203 yards in the whole game. Marlon Mack was a non-entity as the running back. They just managed to play that shutdown defense that they needed for the postseason. And we've said it all along, this this Chiefs offense is plenty good enough to be a Super Bowl caliber winning team. They just need the defense to step up on the other side and take a lot of the pressure off um, off them whenever they have the ball. And 
if they put in performances like this, especially against the Patriots next week, or <laughs> I say next week, it's, uh, <laughs> it's this weekend. Yeah, yeah. But if they can put up performances like that, then this team can easily go all the way. And they've been waiting for this performance for a long time. And now that they have been able to answer those questions, you know, that maybe this is the start of them getting it done in the postseason. I still think this is maybe just, you know, a one-off performance. Again, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute, but I think uh, the Patriots-Chiefs game this weekend is going to be a, a very high-scoring affair. But at least the at least the Chiefs defense has proven that they can get it done when when they need to. Yeah, and obviously uh, Patrick Mahomes, the name we've been talking about all season, sort of people were kind of like, is he going to get it done in the postseason? He did. He went out there. He got the job done. He's looking good. Yeah. See, after Lamar Jackson for Baltimore last week, where he, where he struggled to start the game, you were wondering if it would maybe happen to Mahomes. You forget he is still a rookie quarterback. Yeah. If forget that he hasn't done this in the postseason before so the fact that he was able to step up and get it done like he did uh, in this game proves that this guy is probably the MVP this year he's been outstanding and now that he's got a postseason win under his belt he's proven he has the credentials in the postseason there's no end to what he can do here he can he can lead this team to a Super Bowl win this first year well what an achievement that would be like just don't, don't take away from that. If you want a Super Bowl as a rookie quarterback, it's you'd a be a big hero. deal, isn't it? Uh, let's go to the Rams then. The Rams, uh, my Super Bowl pick, obviously, so I was kind of glad to see this. I've, I, I've liked watching the Cowboys this year, and I wanted the Cowboys to go the whole way. Um, obviously, the Rams was my Super Bowl pick at the start of the year, so I had to side with the Rams in this, and they came out with a 30 22 win. I was going to say, how are you going against your Super Bowl picks? Come on. No, well, I wasn't going to go against it. But again, at the start of the season, we talked about how the Cowboys were a fun team to watch, and I kind of wanted to see them take that the whole way. But at the same time, I threw all of my weight behind the Rams, and they did it. Okay, fair. I'll I'll let you away with that. Hang on, no, wait, sorry, just before you crack on with this, I want to point out... No, we'll talk about it in, in... Is it the next game? I think it's the next game we're talking about. Uh, your, your dark horse for the Super Bowl. <laughs> let's, let's talk about the Rams first. I mean, I wasn't reading against my dark horse, but we will talk about <laughs> that. No, um, the Rams, they, they got this done through a very unlikely duo of running backs. Todd Gurley's not the unlikely part of it. He, We know what he can do, 115 yards in a touchdown. But CJ Anderson, a veteran who came in later in the season, I was only supposed to fill in while Gurley was down hurt for a bit, adds 123 yards and two touchdowns in the win. Like The running game got this done for Los Angeles. They were absolutely brilliant, um, especially against the Dallas side, who are usually so sturdy on their running defense. You know, the Rams had 273 yards rushing. That's the most allowed, allowed by the Cowboys in the postseason ever. So yeah. that shows to you how good that uh, Anderson and Gurley were in tandem but it was even more uh, spectacular given what uh, the Cowboys had done to Seattle you know the, the previous week where they just clamped down in the rush game and just took that out of the game completely this week the rest to say okay Jared Jared Goff you be the handoff guy and just let CJ and Todd do what they want to do and they did and that's what got them to the win I think um, at the same time you know the Cowboys struggled. I mean, they, their big guys didn't step up where they needed them to. Their Dak Prescotts, their uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Samari Cooper was all right, but they needed uh, they needed more from their two 
two big star names and they didn't get it. Do you think it was a game too far for the Cowboys? Potentially. Um, they were coming up against a really good Rams side. Like, let's not look past that. You know, the, the Rams are one of the favourites for the Super Bowl for a reason, and they pushed them quite close. I mean, I, I know it was eight points in the end, but that's still close enough. I, I think they, I think they do need a little bit more, and they, they're not going to get that kind of game changer in the draft this year, which is sort of the drawback for having a postseason run right now. But they, if they have managed to get someone in the draft, even someone who dropped down a little bit that you weren't expecting, they maybe would have had that extra one person. They yeah. grabbed someone in free, and they would have been ready to go next year. I think they may have shot themselves in the foot just a little bit here, um, through no fault of their own. You know, obviously you want to go for a postseason run, but I don't think that roster was ever really set up for a deep playoff run. Yeah, you 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 hope that they would get through to this stage whenever the postseason was set and, and they did but I think even if they got past the Rams you wouldn't have seen them beating the uh, beating the Saints and I don't think you would have seen them beating either the Patriots or the Chiefs in the Super Bowl either so um, I, I do think you, I think you're right I think it's one step too far and I'm just a little worried that they've now sort of hamstrung themselves for next year but uh, at the same time, it's always good to get a postseason run going. Of course, yeah. Now, last week you mentioned that the Chargers were your dark horse, and they were looking very, very good. There's no doubt about that. I did not see them getting blown out by the Patriots in the sort of first half of the game. The Patriots getting it done in the postseason again, just like only the Patriots can. They always do. Why? Why do we keep betting against the Patriots? <laughs> they, they just keep getting it done. No, look. Well, what can you say? It was brute efficiency. From New England, they just opened up a 35-7 lead um, in this one. Uh, as I said, whenever I was standing in the SSA, the guy came up to me and said, it's 35, 30, <coughs> sorry, 35-7 to the Patriots. I was like, what? No, it's not. But yeah. it, It's just they know how to get it done. And I, I say this every week, but it's just true. This organization just knows how to get it done in the postseason. And sometimes it doesn't matter what seed you are. It doesn't matter how you've done during the regular season. If you just have that know-how of how to get it done, whenever the chips are down, whenever you have to get the win, the Patriots are the go-to team for the guys who know what it is to to make it happen. And, you know, the, Sonny Michelle was great, raced in for three touchdowns and a 129-yard performance. Chargers didn't help themselves. Like yeah. as much as we can praise the Patriots because they were excellent. The Chargers shot themselves in the foot with several needless penalties at times. It just put them behind the eight ball and they never recovered and this game was over early. And I'm... it is a, it is a shame because I think the Chargers are a much, much better side than what they showed uh on Sunday and they just didn't get it done. They, well, ju- they just wet themselves on the day, really. When you throw a load of names into a postseason mix, I imagine one of the teams you don't want, probably the team you don't want to come up against is New England. How many years of this do they have left? Like, is it is it Bill Belichick? Is it is it Tom Brady? Like, how many years do the Patriots have left of this? I think however long Brady goes on, at the end of the day, the Patriots are always going to be there. They always seem to find a way to get a competitive roster and they always seem to find a way to get it going but at, at some point Brady has to go yeah as, as much as you know he wants to play on till he's 70 um he, he can't and at some point father time will start to catch up to him and he will leave eventually 
Belichick will probably move on at some point. There's only so many times you can win the Super Bowl before you get sick of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rob Gronkowski will move on as well, and he'll probably go before Brady goes, and that'll be Brady's go-to guy down the field. Yeah. Gone, and that'll, that might hasten Brady's attempt to go. It's hard to say. I think it, it all depends on how long Brady wants to stay on, because as long as he's able to keep doing it, as long as he's got uh, even just an average set of receiving core to throw to, he'll find guys, he'll make yards, he'll he'll get it done for you. So uh, uh, it, it's, hard, it's hard to say. It, it's all dependent on Brady. He could retire at the end of the year and the Patriots might struggle next year. Yeah. He could go on 10 years and we could still be talking about them in 2029. He's 41 now, Tom Brady, isn't he? Yeah, that is insane, isn't it? Imagine being at that level of your game, st- staying at that level of your game at the age of forty-one. It's just—it's the sort of thing that most people can only dream of, isn't it? Oh man, it's uh, like if every quarterback was able to go until they were forty-one. You know, you'd be talking about you'd be talking about young quarterbacks sitting on the on the sidelines for ten years before yeah. they got their chance. It's it's insane what uh, what Brady's doing, and I think whenever he does retire. You know, so, so many people don't like him at the moment because, you know, he, he's Patriots. Nobody yeah. likes the Patriots. Nobody likes Brady because he's so good. But whenever he retires, everyone will look back and go, this guy was a once-in-a-generation guy. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to see that again for a long time. Let's go to the Dome then, where last year's Super Bowl winners, the Eagles, opened up a 14-point lead against the Saints and then blew it. Uh, I said never bet against Nick Foles, and you should have bet against Nick Foles because <laughs> He didn't get it done in this one. No, um, I think you really saw the Saints underlining their title credentials because going 14 nothing down against a side with confidence like Philadelphia, with a side who are desperate to do what they did last year like Philadelphia, to turn it around rather... I know it was six points in, in the end. It was only six points. But they turned it around rather convincingly and rather quickly. Yeah. Um, and they, they got it done. Marcus Lattimore coming up big with two interceptions that changed the landscape of the game. And most importantly, you know, the, the Eagles aren't going to be back-to-back champions, which means we're still waiting, I think it's like 15 years since the team did that. So, and then, again, it's just proof that it's so hard to yeah. defend your Super Bowl title. It's, it's really tough. But, no, the Saints... I. I'm really impressed with them. It doesn't look like an impressive result. To a lot of people, it won't be an impressive result. But for me, to be able to battle past a team who looked like they really wanted it, who came and played a really dirty, gritty road game, yeah. to battle the way they did, uh, I think is something that's really key if you want to go deep in the postseason. And we just know the talent that New Orleans have. Yeah, well, I think the most interesting thing, this is the game that I watched at the weekend, and I think the most interesting thing was when they were 14 points down, they didn't look or play like a team that was 14 points down, which no, is going to serve you they, well in the postseason. They have that calm, they have that composure, they know what they can do. Um, I know <laughs> Sean Payton, I don't know if you've heard this, but Sean Payton, the head coach, uh, rather infamously at the start of the postseason, brought in the Vince Lombardi Trophy and a briefcase full of two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, <laughs> which is what they, which is what the team gets for winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. And says, "You guys want this? Win three games." I closed it and took it out of the door. So, 
I think that he's really laid down the marker there yeah. for the season. Um, that they know what they're doing. They they have the roster. They have the ability. They've got the home field advantage all the way through to the Super Bowl. I, I think as long as they they play their cards right and they play <coughs> smart football, I, I still think that they're the favourites to win this. In a couple of days' time, then a couple of days. It's I keep forgetting that it's Friday. We are going to know who <laughs> is into the Super Bowl and who the conference champions are. And the thing with looking at these two games, then. It's kind of hard to tell who's going to win, but also both of these games have the possibility of being massively high-scoring affairs, don't they? They absolutely do. I want, I want to start um, with the Patriots-Chiefs because I, I just feel like you know Brady and Mahomes are so good that you've just got to you've got to suggest that it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah. You know, you've got. Two sides who have questions defensively. I know I talked about how the Chiefs answered those defensive questions earlier, but it's it's not inconceivable to see them regressing back to where they were beforehand. And <coughs> it, it could end up just being one offensive mistake on either side yeah. to decide the game. Because I think it's just whoever makes the most of their um, whoever makes the most of their scoring drives, whoever comes away with more points from the red zone. Well, one of the big things I think about this one is can the Patriots do it against Mahomes' arm, Tyreek Hill's speed, Kelsey's size, and an overwhelming offensive line? Because Bill Belichick is a master whenever it comes to tacticians and being able to work out how to stop teams from doing what they want to do, basically forcing teams out of their comfort zone. That's how the Patriots' defense works. The Chiefs have already proven that Belichick doesn't know how to do that with them because, you know, of the game earlier in the season where they where they put up 43 points on them. That's the kind of thing that, you know, you sort of plays into your hands. As the Chiefs, you can think to yourself, we've already done this. You know, we've already put up a big number. If, if our defense can back up what they did last week, then we've got a really good chance here. And I, th- I think that's that's probably what uh, what the Chiefs will be relying on. The Patriots will rely on the fact that they know how to get this done, and their uh, postseason record is vastly superior to Kansas. Their um, <clears throat> their experience is just miles beyond what anything that any of the Chiefs players can do. And I really think they'll target Mahomes and sort of force him to play, force him. I was going to say force him out of his comfort zone. He's he's good outside yeah. his comfort zone, to be honest. He can he can pull off those Hail Mary plays that you don't expect anyone else to. But at the same time, you, you've got to try and l- limit the space for him. But I, but I, I just think the... Uh, I, I don't think the defences are good enough on either side to curtail what are two excellent offences. I think we're just going to see a very high-scoring affair. And... <laughs> it, it sounds very obvious, but just whoever comes away with more points from their uh, from their scoring drives is going to win this game. It's maximising your return on those scoring drives. And if you're sort of a fan who's kind of just getting into the NFL or something like that, this is a must-watch <laughs> game because you've got you've got Patrick Mahomes, the most talked about quarterback all season, going up against the goat, and that that's why it's a must-watch game because Patrick Mahomes could be the next Tom Brady. It's the MVP versus the GOAT. It's as simple as that. Look, I read a very 
interesting article in the Guardian where I was comparing the two and uh, saying, you know, this this could be, you know, the changing of the guard. You know, if if Mahomes wins this, does he sort of become, you know, the the next Brady? Does this yeah. get like a run of Mahomes just getting it done for Kansas? No, it's, it's far too early to say that. He's having another world the year, and that, let's not try and play that down or anything like that. But he could become, you know, one of those great quarterbacks that we look back on in 50 years and say, do you remember the Mahomes era in Kansas? You know, he's that kind of a guy. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. The experience of Brady is always, uh, always a big thing. But Mahomes' ability, you know, you, you just can't look past what this kid's able to do. You know, the sidearm throws, the, uh, the special throws that he can do that... As I said, whenever he's forced out of his comfort zone, he doesn't look flustered. He doesn't get overwhelmed. He just stays calm. He looks for a guy free down the field, and he finds them somehow. And that it, it's just so impressive. I think you're going to see a guy who really wants to impress against someone he's probably idolized for a long time. Yeah, and let's go to the other game then very quickly. I'm going to throw my weight behind the Rams in this one, obviously. Uh, Rams at the Saints. And as we saw at the weekend, the Dome's a hard place to go, so it's not going to be an easy game for the Rams. Big, brave call there, throwing your weight behind the Rams. I well, know you I have, have to, to, I have to, yeah. you your team and you didn't back them last week. Shame on you. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't back them. I'm just saying I, I, I wanted to see the Cowboys do well. It was, it was kind of one of those games where, because the Rams aren't my team. I don't support them. They're just a team that I at the start of the season, somewhat foolishly because I didn't really know what I was talking about. Said I'm going to go for them. It's paid off for I'm, me. I'm respect for you every second you keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on. Your two Super Bowl picks are now out. All right, all right. Let's let's. Minnesota, who was your original your one, didn't even make one. it to the postseason. Anyway, <laughs> Rams, Rams at Saints. You are right. The dome is a very hard place to go to. The Saints have turned it very much into a fortress this year, and sometimes that can be it. Sometimes that can be the decider between two very closely matched teams. Um, the Rams will be very confident that they can go in. They can get it done especially since they've got that new facet to their game that they found last week. I don't think the Saints are going to make it so easy um, on their running backs this week. I, I don't think they're necessarily going to get the same output from C.J. Anderson that they did last week. But they suddenly now know that he's an option. They can suddenly put uh, put him into a game, and they know that he can get it done to give Todd Gurley a bit of a rest and then bring him back in. We all know how good he is. They, there's just that extra option that they didn't have before as I said I think the Saints defense will be a far trickier prospect for them I, I don't think they're gonna quite have the same success but then you just go back to Jared Goff and you know what he can do Saints <clears throat> Breeze is just having one of those years yeah. where he rolls everything back and you think to yourself my word, he he could be a, he could just have a fantastic postseason lead these guys by himself and that offense in general, I think it didn't click against Philadelphia. I'll put that down to rust from having a week off. Just maybe they got a little bit too loose and they didn't keep it going. But I think they can they can turn it around this week. Again, it'll not be as high scoring as the Patriots Chiefs, in my opinion. But I think this one's got the potential to be quite high scoring too, um, especially if the Rams don't properly marshal uh, the backfield because yeah. we know 
that we know that Breeze will easily pick out his receivers if they're left uh, with too much space. So I think the, the keys in this one are, um, as I've just said, the, the Rams cornerback defense and uh, at the same time how well the Saints can marshal that Rams running game. Because if, if they can, especially Gurley, I think, I think you don't quite have to put so much coverage on Anderson because I don't think he can put up the numbers that he did last week. Yeah. To throw. But if you can marshal Gurley pretty well, I think you shut down a big part of that Rams offense. So those, in my opinion, are the two keys. So what two teams do you see going to the Super Bowl then? I see the Saints. Sorry to hear that. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> the Saints. There's no doubt they're looking good. Like, the other one's so hard to call. I knew you were going to ask me this, so I was thinking about this this morning. <laughs> but I, still, I still can't quite cut. Like I'm leaning towards the Patriots. I'm not. I, I'm not determined to say that yet. Yeah. But I'm leaning towards the Patriots simply because their experience. I think will shine through in such a big game this Chiefs side none of them um, have been to the postseason as a group so we, we know they're not we know they're raw natural talent but I, I just think the Patriots know how to get it done in the postseason and sure surely at some point Mahomes has to have a bad game yeah I was just thinking law <laughs> I mean, of averages suggests that at some point he has to have a bad game and it would be <laughs> terrible if it was this week but you feel like it just has to be this week or something it's either this week or the Super Bowl I would so. love I would love to go back a couple of weeks to that Rams and Chiefs game 54-51 imagine uh-huh. that in a Super Bowl I mean, we, we said from a long time ago that it looked like it was going to be a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl. It, it looked like for a long time. And it's got to the point where it could be, which yeah. would be absolutely incredible. Like that, I think if you got a Super Bowl like that, I think it would just be a case of two offences going hell for leather and uh, giving everything they possibly could. But at the same time, Patriots are so methodical. They know yeah. what to do. Belichick just... Belichick finds ways to shut teams down, even when it looks like he doesn't know how. He, he has something up his sleeve. And, he and it's annoying, it isn't it? It's really annoying. Oh, it's really annoying, especially, <laughs> especially as a, Patri- or a, a Dolphins fan who plays the Patriots twice a year, yeah. every year. Um, yeah, and I, I just think that experience will come through. I don't think we'll, we'll see the last of the Chiefs. I, I say this like they have already lost. You know, they, they could win, but... Um, I think if the Chiefs lose this weekend, it's not necessarily the end of this good run. I think they can carry it into next year and make another Super Bowl run. Uh, but I, I just think the Patriots have it. And, and then I think the Saints just at home will, will edge it over the Rams. And then I was going to ask you if, if that was the outcome, who win. But I think we'll wait until next week to ask who's going to win the Super Bowl. So we find yeah, out... please do, because we can very easily see <laughs> Rams, Super Bowl... And yeah, you can talk like, about it forever. Out of the water. We uh, we find out this weekend then who's going to the Super Bowl. So let's leave that there. Let's talk about a couple of news stories uh, just in the NFL because it's starting to sort to dry up now. You want to talk about a guy called Kyler Murray? Yeah, if you haven't heard about this, um, basically what it is is Kyler Murray is a dual college star with Oklahoma. So he he's an outstanding baseball player and he's an outstanding football player. He won the Heisman Trophy this season with. Oklahoma, 
Um, he's been nothing short of phenomenal. Um, problem is, he's already been drafted by the Oakland Athletics in the MLB draft, which he entered last year. Okay. Which seemed to, it seemed to suggest that he was going to play professional baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was always that question. He went back to Oklahoma this year. He played football again. Won the Heisman Trophy. He has been outstanding. He's been by far the best player. You know, head and shoulders above everyone else. He is expected to be a superstar if he joins the NFL. Like he's supposed to be the next big thing. Yeah. Uh, now, now he's declared for the NFL draft. Now that doesn't guarantee anything. He can withdraw from the NFL draft right. before it happens. But he has declared for it, which means he will be as it stands. He will be in it, and. Uh, teams could draft him but the question now is where does he go from here you know does he go into the NFL draft get drafted by a team and then decide I'm either going to play football or baseball does he get out of his contract with the Oakland Athletics which currently has a 4.6 million dollar guarantee Whoa. so yeah exactly <laughs> so well, this is the thing he's got 4.6 million guaranteed from the Oakland Athletics, which is great. But if he goes into the NFL draft and gets drafted highly, which it very much looks like he will, it looks like he'll probably he'll probably go number one overall, then he's gonna get even more money. Sickening, problem, isn't it? <laughs> is it it is absolutely sickening. And then you start weighing up pros and cons, you know, like, okay, so in the NFL, you go straight into the pro ranks. You, you might sit on the bench for a few weeks, but if he w- if he went into the NFL, he'd probably be starting for a team by the middle of next season. Yeah. Um, but baseball's a safer sport. You know, there's less chance of injury. There's more like likelihood of a longer career. But then it takes a lot longer to break into the majors. You know, you, you have yeah. to spend three or four years in the minors to then build your way up into the into the majors and then it just depends which sport he loves more exactly so, yeah it's it's really interesting because this guy it, he's a once in a lifetime athlete he would he would be a superstar in both. both sports but we don't we don't know what he's gonna do so that that's a really interesting one to keep an eye on the nfl draft isn't for a while so it can be sort of put on the back burners now all we know is right now is he's declared for the nfl draft which suggests that he's leaning towards playing football. If you were faced with that decision, what would you do? Oh, jeepers, I hope I'm not. Um, I have a feeling you would go baseball. Well, I would go baseball because I like baseball more, but, I mean, whenever whenever you're looking at it, you know, I'll look at it from... Kyler Murray's perspective. Yeah. If it was me, if it was me, I would choose baseball because I like baseball more. But looking from Kyler Murray's perspective, you know, you've got two sports you love. One of which you could go straight in and earn a lot more money if you yeah. go first in draft, which he is overwhelmingly likely to do. Or you could go into another sport where you've already got a contract, you've already got something guaranteed. So you know, even if he falls way down the NFL draft. Again, unlikely, but if he yeah. did, you're away more money in the MLB. But you might not, you might not ever get to the majors. That's a, that's one of the big things. You might not ever even play in the majors. Um, yeah, I think you go football. 
But it's it's completely down to him. I, I think he is leaning towards football. It certainly seems to suggest he is, but um, we'll we'll put that in the back burners for now. It's probably a decision that you'll hear more about closer to the NFL draft. And last but not least, then a new head coach for the Jets. Yeah, and it's uh, the Miami Dolphins former head coach Adam Gase, who I know <laughs> quite well because he uh, he wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> he, he was. 23-26 and 26 in three seasons with Miami, one trip to the wildcard game and nothing else. Um, yeah, he had little success with the Dolphins. To be fair, he didn't really have the roster to work with. He never had a full season out of Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Um, and even though you know everything else sort of seemed to be in place, he never got great years out of people. Um, but the Jets have brought him in. They expect him to develop Sam Darnold. They expect him to take them to the postseason soonish, not not maybe not this year, but definitely at least next year. Um, fans aren't entirely enamoured by this decision, which tells a lot. It'll be interesting to see if he can turn their uh, turn their thinking around pretty quickly. So we'll leave it there for football this week and turn our attention to some basketball then. Right then, let's turn our attention to some basketball. So we're just trying off air to uh, to quickly fix this noise in the background. I did have it sorted just towards the end of the football bit and then decided I would try and fix it again and it's back. So here we are. <laughs> it's like they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I tried and back to square one. You've, you've ruined it again, mate. I have so, done. You left your stuff in the... In the nightclub, now you've ruined this. Well, this is it. Um, what, a, what a mare. What a mare. <laughs> speaking of mares, big game in London last night. Knicks and the Wizards. Yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just skip we'll skip the rest of the action and go straight to this. Why don't we? Uh, the Washington Wizards battled back from 16 points down to beat the New York Knicks 101-100 at the O2 Arena. How devastated were you? I was absolutely gutted because they led for most of the game and I sort of thought, do you know what? We we could have this here. It's looking good. Um, if if you're sort of just getting into basketball, and we say this about a lot of games, but it was a game that would get you into the sport because it kind of had everything. It was a one point finish. It was down to the last second. I am just gutted that the Knicks didn't win it. I mean, I, I put this in deliberately because of you, but... <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm getting it out of the way first. Um, it was a good game to sit down and watch it. It was an amazing game, and the Knicks looked good. I, I thought we had a chance of winning the game. Well, it was against the Wizards as well, mate. you got to bear that in mind. The that's Wizards true. are brilliant at the moment. No, like, it, it's always great to see sport coming over here. It's fantastic to you know sort of look at it and go, oh, I've, I've been there, you know, I've, I've seen that. Um, but no, great game, really close game, as you said. Um, it's always one that makes you want to go and find a basketball and shoot a few hoops, even though, well, I know personally I can't. I'm not good at it. Um, it was very interesting to hear them say afterwards that um, they're potentially taking a game to Paris next yeah. year. So trying to move it about a bit, trying to get a few games in a few uh, less known, well, I was going to say less known locations. Paris isn't exactly a lesser <laughs> Never heard of Paris, where's that? Yeah. Um but, you know, locations that you maybe wouldn't expect them to go to. Um, so it's good to see him moving about. And as always, you you love them. To, you love you would love them to come back to to London again, which I'm sure they will because they're getting such good crowds for. Uh, let's go and look at San Antonio, who are looking good. San Antonio are looking really good at the moment. They've been dominant at home. They're 18 and five at home, which is outstanding. But they've been really poor on the road and. That's really what's killing them at the moment. They could be 
one of the NBA's best teams if they could take their home form on the road. And I know a lot of teams struggle on the road. Like I said, it's just a natural thing. But the Spurs especially could be a long way, uh, or a, a long way better than what they are at the moment. But look, if Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge keep playing the way they are, there'll be no problems for them. Those two are, are the guys they need to stand up and they need to be playing well. And right now they are so. It is reliant quite a bit on those two guys, so that they could do with a little bit of extra scoring help. But as long as those two are are fairly on their game, uh, the Spurs are going to keep going in the right way, and they're starting to suddenly sneak into that discussion for potential um, deep playoff run teams. But we we don't know. Uh, looking at the Celtics then, your team, we've talked about the Knicks, let's yeah. talk about the Celtics. And again, another team that are looking decent, could have a decent postseason run, uh, obviously being led by Kyrie Irving. I mean, they want more though. They they want, they want to be like championship contenders, not just potential playoff yeah. contenders. You know, look, between Irving, you've got Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, Al Horford there, you know, they're, they're all, they have a good, strong lineup. But they just can't get consistency, and that's that's the frustrating thing, especially as a Celtics fan. You know, they lost to Miami, Orlando, and Brooklyn in the space of three games. You know, three teams that you'd expect them to beat, and then they beat Toronto, who yeah. are the team in the NBA at the moment. So, where's the consistency there? Where's the correlation? You know, that's the kind of thing that they just have to find. I. I I'm not a coach, so I never know how to sort of get that consistency there. But they've got to find something to get that consistency going. Otherwise, you know, they're not really contenders. They're just a team who will probably make the playoffs, but they won't go too far after that. Uh, keeping it in the uh, the Eastern Conference then, sorry, the Bucks, a very, very impressive start. You know what? I found a very impressive stat the other day. Um, Milwaukee haven't lost back-to-back games this season. They're 12 and 0 in all of their games after a loss, which is absolute madness. And I think one of, one of the big things in this uh, in sport in general is after you lose a game, how do you bounce back from that? Do you let it get to you and you suddenly go on a little bit of a skid, or do you use that as motivation and you bounce back? And the Bucks have been excellent in what they've been doing so far. And I've just been impressed with them in general. We've been talking about them all year. And I wanted to include them this week because I find that stat. But you look at what they're doing. Like Janice and Tentacumbo is undoubtedly the star of the team. But when you look a bit deeper, everyone immediately goes to him whenever they think of Milwaukee. But the success is coming from the team. You look at Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Mal- Malcolm Brogdon, particularly the latter two. They're all having exceptional years. Um, as support guys to Janice and that that's exactly what they need they can let Janice be the star they, he's having an MVP year which is excellent but whenever you're getting that extra scoring from him behind, these guys are good these guys are really good and let's quickly jump across to the Western Conference then, uh, Utah do you think they're going to start to make a push for the sort of second half of the season now we've reached the halfway point, are they going to move themselves up the table, they're sitting there ninth at the minute yeah, I'm I'm looking at this uh, because of their remaining schedule. They have 25 of their remaining 41 games at home. <clears throat> all right? So let's even look at this as they win all their home games and they lose all their away games. That takes you up to, what is it, 
48 and 37. That that's a good record. Yeah. For Steve Smith. That takes you into the playoffs, and that has you looking like again maybe not contenders for the championship, but you've taken a team who are sort of mid-table at the moment, and you've taken them into the playoffs, which is massive. So that. Yeah, they're sitting okay at 23 and 21 right now, but they've won four of their last five. They're trending in the right way. They've got that great home run to come. Donovan Mitchell has been superb for them, um, which is exactly what they hope he'd be, uh, and they need him to keep being that as well if they want to keep this run going. They could make a good push. Uh, I like what the Jazz are doing at the moment. Uh, What team then so far has been the most impressive to you this season? Probably the Raptors? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, the, the Raptors are the best team in baseball, right? Or baseball, uh, in basketball right now. Like that. I, I don't think anybody's really going to contend with that. But there, there are some that, you know, you just think, okay, they're actually having a good year. You know, Milwaukee's one of them. Uh, the Indiana Pacers have been very good. Um, the Spurs are starting to go that way. Yeah, they're. There are some teams that have really sort of surprised people. Um, the Pacers are very good at the moment. The Pacers are a team that I don't think too many people were talking about before the season began, but um, you look at what the likes of Victor Oladipo is doing down in there, they have quite a deep roster, which is exactly what you need. Um, and whenever no, I'm not saying nobody's talking about them because they are having a, they are having a good run, but you know they're still not not being talked about as one of those big contenders. Yeah. They sneakily push in underneath and suddenly say, "Hang on a second, guys, look at us." Right then, let's talk some NHL. Um, obviously. Th- th- we're doing this on a Friday. Friday's meant to be relaxing, so we've got this noise running in the background, which is really annoying. And then just between NBA and NHL, the computer crashed and we nearly lost everything. <laughs> it's just one of those days. We're just having yeah. one day. And I started off by saying Fridays are class because it's so relaxing to record the show and it's just so much fun and you can chill out. I haven't been able to chill out yet. You put a, you put the scot on us, mate. That's a, that's 100% what I did, and I'm sorry. Um, let's talk it's about... Like, no, it's all <laughs> I'm the one who does this sort of like obviously the studio's where I am and you're in your, your house you don't have to deal with any of this stuff yeah I, I can't really say much given I just sit in my room and talk well yeah. you do the you do, do the, the, the run and order and all that stuff so this we've, is true we've each got our jobs it just happens <laughs> to be that one of us is better than the other you're not going to say anything to that no <laughs> Because you know it, because you know it. That's you're sitting there smug, knowing that you're you're doing your bit, and I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. Let's move <laughs> on from this because I'm not painting myself in a great light. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk some NHL, and we'll go to the Pacific Division first because it is being lit up at the minute, isn't it? In the last twenty games, in their last twenty games, Vegas are fourteen three and three, San Jose are fifteen three and two, and Calgary are fourteen four and two. Go Calgary. Are- on. Like, it's the informed division right now, no question. They are on a tear. Um, I was just going to take them one by one because are they, um, Calgary lead the way in 65, San Jose is 63, Vegas are trailing a little bit behind on 60, but it's it's so tight in that one. You know, any of them can make a, can continue that run and uh, take the lead in the Pacific. But look, Vegas 
fairy tale story last year, and it's amazing to see them actually keep it going this yeah. year. Do with a bit of defensive support, because um, I think Flurry's not quite getting the coverage he needs at the back, but you get the sense that this offense will really click soon. I see that they're tied second for um, hitting the post this year, or hit it hitting the crossbar, which is insane. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know there were stats for that. <laughs> oh yeah, there's stats for everything. Um, but like Max Pacioretty and Paul Stastny, they haven't haven't quite hit their straps yet, but you feel like at some point they are going to click, um, and whenever they do, they're going to really burst out offensively. San Jose really come back. Eric Carlson's come back into a real rich vein of form, um, which they hoped he would have. They've just had a seven-game win streak ended, but they're rightly feeling pretty good. They're getting quality output from all four of their forward lines too, which I think is one of the key things. The fact that Timo Meyer came out the other day and said that he was really frustrated that he hadn't scored a goal in 16 games. Okay, yeah, that is quite long, but, you know, everyone else is doing it around you. Be happy that you're part of that offense, mate. Um, and then Calgary. Calgary lead the division, um, even though they've been flattering to deceive at the blue line, and that, I think, is a very key thing. The fact that defensively they're shaky, but they're leading the division, and they're still putting up a great record, is something that you've got to you've got to really admire, because if they can tighten up that group at the back, all of a sudden, they're, they're a really, really good side. And Johnny Gaudreau, absolutely irresistible. The fact that he beat Ovi to um, 70 points, albeit by I think it was about 10 minutes or something. <laughs> but the fact that he got to 70 points before him this season is insane. He's been one of the surprise stars of the of the season so far. Um, and whenever you're getting output like that, it, it, he's going to take them far. It's interesting to talk about because two of these teams that we are talking about, obviously Calgary is the team that I follow. I'm not massively into NHL. I do follow it and Calgary is my team. But they're one of the teams at the start. Whenever we did the very first one, we sort of picked our teams and said, you know, how do we see them doing? And Calgary, we were kind of like, nah, they're going to be mid-table. They might make postseason, they might not. It was the same with Vegas. We were thinking they were going to have that hangover. And both teams absolutely smashing it at the minute. You love it. It's great. Like This is what sports does. It's like Leicester City all over again. Nobody expects it. Yeah. But here they are. And the thing is, it's just one of those things where guys get traded and they just like their new environment a bit more and they play a bit better um, in Vegas case I think they just kind of went you know what this this Stanley Cup run was pretty fun let's try that again Yeah. Um, and they've, they've kept it a bit fresh as well by bringing in a few new bodies as opposed to just keeping the same guys and going again um, just really impressed by the Flames who, who saw them being at, at this point at this part of the season the problem is with Calgary, they need to have everyone keep producing the same yeah. way they are. And there are very few on that roster who have produced at that, at that level that consistently over a season. So it'll be interesting to see if they experience any kind of a dip-off in form or if this is the real Calgary we're seeing right here. Uh, so we're talking about three very good teams there in the Pacific. Let's go to what is potentially, I say potentially, the best team in the NHL talking about Tampa Bay. Yeah, the, the best team in the NHL. Um, I, I wrote down they only have nine losses on the season. They actually have ten now because they lost to Toronto last night. Um, so they now have ten losses of this on the season and three of those have come in the last two weeks. Yeah. So 
that shows how good they've been. Um, Ryan Lambert in his Yahoo column this week called them the best team of the cap era. That's maybe a little bit of a push, um, but they're a heck of a team. Really good team. That just you, you look at those forward lines. You've got Stamkos, Kucherov, Braden Points having a phenomenal season. Victor Hedman on the blue line has been outstanding. Vasilevsky's come back and he's been brilliant between the pipes. Just throughout this team, quality, 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 quality. Um, it'll take a really, really good effort to beat them in a playoff series. If it was a one-off game, sure, you know, other playoff teams could beat them, no problem. But to beat them in a best-of-seven series in the postseason, you have to have four exceptional games to do that. Yeah, they're gonna. They're gonna. They've probably already got one foot in the postseason already. I would say so. I mean, they've they've got such a lead in the um, in the uh, Atlantic. Sorry, um, uh, but uh, that yeah. If they haven't already got one foot in the postseason, then they're teetering on the edge. They've they've got four toes into the postseason. Let's uh, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, yeah, I mean they've, they've got a fourteen point lead. Yeah, and to go already like that. That's insane. They can lose seven games and they'd still be tied for the lead, and that's only if uh, Toronto win all their games in hand. Uh, let's that, go. That's let's go to the Metropolitan. Then halfway down the Metropolitan, more of Carolina. They're starting to sort of get into second gear now. You know what? They're starting to find form. They're seven one and zero in their last eight. That's even with being heavily outshot by teams, which, if they turn around, would have them on a big run. Um, they're getting plus 900 goaltending. They're they're set up quite well for a playoff run. And one thing I like is they haven't just sat still. They went and they traded Victor Rask to Minnesota for Nino, Nino Niederreiter, if I could say that right. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, just try and freshen up those forward lines. Keep, keep things ticking over, uh, get a new guy in and see what he can give you. Yeah, I, I think Carolina have set them up nicely. Again, another team that's just ticking along in the background, but eventually you feel like they could just explode and all of a sudden they'd really push themselves up in that, into that postseason mix. Uh, let's take a look at some of this week's very quick news stories then. You want to go to Columbus where Sergei Brabovsky has been suspended for a game. What's going on there? See, this is a really interesting one because we talked about this in the in the pre in, in preseason, where there was all the discussion over whether Columbus would trade Bobrovsky um, because he's becoming a free agent. Yeah. At the end of the, Artemi Panarin is becoming a free agent at the end of the season as well, so he was involved. But this is all about Bobrovsky at the moment. Um, in a recent game, I can't remember what game. But in a recent game, he reportedly undressed and shard after being pulled from the game rather than sitting at the sidelines being prepared to go back in if needed because if your backup then gets injured while he's in nets, you, know, you can bring your original yeah. stuff back in. So um, I think the suspension was for something like not uh, not living up to team values or something like that. It was a, it was a wishy-washy reason, but yeah. the reason was he... He basically had a huff and went off and got shard early. Why this is interesting is because he is part of the trade discussions. Columbus are set up that they should be a postseason team. They should make the playoffs. And in which case, if you have genuine aspirations to win the Stanley Cup, uh, 
Bobrovsky has to be part of that, and he should be part of that. Um, if you don't, I think this is the point to trade him, get rid of him now. There are teams who are going for the postseason who will want a, a netminder like Bobrovsky and would be willing to give up something for Bobrovsky. But if the Blue Jackets really want to make a push in the postseason, they have to keep him. And this is where we discussed in the in preseason um, how important it was going to be for them to keep him or for for them to make this decision early. It would have been better if they weren't playing so well because uh, if the, if they weren't in the postseason mix it would have made it a very easy decision to trade him. Now they've got a big call to make, and I don't think they're going to trade him. And They're going to have to hope that he gives his heart for the team for the rest of the year, uh, even after this. And let's very quickly talk about Rick Nash then. Uh, veteran winger. I love Rick Nash because he came over to Boston last year and uh, and gave it his all for us in the postseason. But he's had to retire on medical device or advice after playing 1,060 regular season games. Wow. Which is incredible. So, um, yeah, thanks for everything you've done, Rick. He's, he's been great for the league for so many years. And obviously, last... He, he can skid off into the sunset with his head held high. Uh, obviously, I was going to say they're obviously last of the Bruins, and you're a Bruins man, aren't you? So. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. So that they wraps it up Bruins. for NHL this week, then. Very quick look at what is going on in baseball. Yeah, um, I really don't like this because New York Yankees did indeed sign Adam Ottavino. He said last week that he, he was likely to go in the house now. Man, that bullpen is stacked. Uh, Roldis Chapman, Dallin Batances, Chad Green, they signed Zach Britton last year, and now they've added in uh, Ottavino. Like, that, that's a super bullpen. Like, uh, that's the kind of thing you dream of. Uh, Ottavino, 2.43 ERA last season. Yeah, I mean, whenever you look at the fact that in a tight game you can turn to any one of those five, and you could probably add Jonathan Holder into that mix, who was a really solid reliever towards the back end of last season as well. Whenever you look at what the Yankees can do in tight games late on, it, it's just bordering on unfair. Uh, but whenever you have the money, you can go and spend it. They've also added DJ LeMahieu to, to the infield. I, I want to talk more about that, but I know we're running out of time. And um, I think he, he's going to be a quality utility man for them in that infield, which is now looking really strong as well. Yankees, it looks like they're not going to get Manny Machado, but they're making a serious push. They're making really big uh, noises in terms of making another uh, World Series run. So Yankees, obviously, they are having a bit of an aggressive sort of off-season. They're going out, they're getting a lot of big names. Do you think this is off the back of the Boston defeat last season? Absolutely. Um, they would have been sickened by that. They would have absolutely hated that. Look, they've got money to spend. They want to spend it. Um, and I think that they are just going out and they're just going, yeah, you know what, Let, let's, go and, uh, let's go and get everyone we can. And fair play to them, they can. If, if they want to, they can. Go ahead. And uh, I think that roster is looking ridiculously good right now. The other side of the coin is that Boston are still looking very good too. So Of course. Boston can sit still and still be one of the best sides yeah. in, the, in the MLB. So uh, that's a given. Uh, let's go to the other side of New York City where the Mets have signed Jed Laurie. Very good accent, by the way. Like that, yeah. Uh, practicing. I'm hopefully going to New York in uh, December, so practicing. Just to piss people off. 
<laughs> yeah, the mess have signed infielder Jed Lowry. This is an interesting one because they already have Robinson Cano to play second base, which is um, which sort of makes it a bit of a log jam in, in the infield. Lowry could potentially play shortstop, where he initially broke through as a major leaguer, uh, but that would push out the young Ahmed Rosario. So Lowry's quality, and I think he, he finds a starter's role somewhere in that infield. It's just where is the question. Um, but it's another sign that the Mets are getting back to contending. And let's last but not least go to Milwaukee, a team who, again, were very fun to watch uh, last year, uh, last season, sorry, especially in the postseason. It was last year. I forget. I keep yeah, forgetting it was. 2019. And I think one of, the, one of the big things is they're now going off the back of that and thinking, that was actually quite fun, let's go again. Yeah. Um, so they've got Yasmani Grandal as catcher. Immediate upgrade over Manny Pena and Derek Kratz. He'll slot in straight away as their everyday catcher. One of the most impressive things is they've got him on a one-year deal. Everyone thought that he would uh, he would join on a on a three or a four-year deal for quite a big cap hit simply because he is a quality catcher yeah. both behind the plate and with the bat. But to get him on a one-year deal for a win-now club, that's an absolute steal for them. Really impressed with uh, with this signing. So. Uh, nice job Milwaukee and that, that's just another piece on their way to contending for the World Series again they were a fun team to watch last year looks like they're going to be a fun team to watch this year again and that pretty Absolutely. much wraps us up this week so you are off to England then England and then Wales yeah um, flight out tomorrow at 10 to 10 uh, and then the game's at quarter past 3 so nice Let's, let's hope for no delays. Fingers crossed. And while you're away, I'm going to try and uh, get this working again because these technical <laughs> I can't be dealing with these technical issues every week because I have lost enough hair as it is, and I don't really, I don't want to lose anymore. So yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for hanging out with us again this week, and we will catch up with you next week. Always a pleasure, mates. Enjoy your week.